You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a very special episode of White People Won't Save You. I am Jordan Clark. And I'm Cameron Mason. And this is going to be our, our end of the year episode. We've we made, we made it. We got we, to we the made end. It. <laughs> We're uh, crossing the finish line. Yeah. Just barely. Just just getting, getting it in. And uh, yeah, we've done 20-something odd episodes so far. Uh, it's been it's been a it's been a ride. Um, it's been a wild ride <laughs> for sure. Oh, and I just want to you know thank you, Cameron, for for doing this with me because I know if either one of us tried to do this on our own, not even just like the logistics of it, but like watching these movies, yeah. it would just be it'd be too much. It'd be a an exercise in tolerance. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the best way to put it. That might be the tagline for the show. Just to exercise and tell I mean, that's real. I mean, honestly, being black in America, colon, and exercise uh, yeah, intolerance. Yep, yep, there you go. Uh, so yeah, we wanted to do something a little bit different and a little special for the end of the year. Kind of look back at these last 20-something odd episodes. Look back at the year in general. We want to talk about good movies that we, we actually enjoyed. Um, I can't wait to talk about stuff I enjoy. <laughs> specifically about uh, Black and POC, either led or directed or written films and television and some other media out there that I think deserves some mention. And sure. then we're going to do a little bit of projecting into the future, uh, talking yeah. about 2022, things that we want to do, things that we're looking forward to things that you guys can look forward to. Um, so, all right, well, let's, let's talk a little bit about looking back at 2021, some of our favorite movies, television, and, you know, a few other media selections by black people, by, you know, people of color, Latin, Asian, native, yeah. et cetera. Cause there were a lot of things that came out this year that were a lot of fun, a lot of, uh, you know, varying depictions, right? Whether it was something that veered into the more humorous side or even the more like fantastical side. Um, and these are selections that we're making that, you know, the criteria is basically, did it star a person of color? Was it created by a person of color, written by a person of color? So, you know, there might be some things that, yeah, it's not directly, you know, created by a person of color, but like the fact that it starred a person of color, or was centered around a person of color, you know, is still a, a thing to, to celebrate and talk about. So, sure. um, so, how do you want to do this? Do you want to yeah. start with like, what's like your strongest pick? You're like number one, or do you want to like uh, honorable mentions or what's up? Yeah. Let's start, let's start with film and then we can go yeah. to TV. Sure. Uh, for me, I'll just throw out a couple of, of films that I liked and it kind of, I mean, this was a year that there was some, some more experimental stuff out there it's just kind of some kind of more um some interesting stuff there's some movies like um drive my car uh, uh the adaptation of the yeah. Haruki murakami yeah short story which i haven't read or haven't seen the film but i want to do both as soon as yeah. possible <laughs> i'm hearing a lot of good things about it. it's playing over here at the charles which is our local indie 
theater in Baltimore. So I definitely want to check that out. So there's stuff like that, which is like, you know, some more, more like meditative kind of like slower stuff. But love that stuff. Love that yeah. Stuff. A couple of my favorites from this year. Sure. I love I love Zola. Oh, I didn't even put Zola on my list. But yeah. What a fun. <laughs> what a crazy movie. What a fun, weird, crazy ass movie, yeah. man. Zola, for people who don't know, is a movie that is based on the Twitter thread, right? <laughs> the first of its kind. So, I mean, you may see more of them coming out, but... I kind of um, hope so if they turn out like Zola, honestly. Yeah, well, I mean, so there's, there's a lot of tricky things that go on in Zola, right? So, I mean, it's written and directed by uh, Janiska Bravo and co-written by Jeremy O'Harris. And, uh, um, the writer of the caustic play. <laughs> uh, that's all i'll say is caustic because i've seen it i've, I've seen it yeah and i don't know if i love it hmm. um but the play slave play and a bunch of play. i mean jeremy yeah. harris is getting a lot of work you know in a lot of different spaces he's so, a writer on euphoria he also yep. had a play daddy that played here in new york yeah. and played in london uh um, he's he's co-writing he's an interesting a, writer yeah he's co-writing the show that i'm really looking forward to the vanishing half uh, on, H- uh, on HBO, HBO yeah, and it's also based on the tweets by so Zola or Asia King, is her real name. But Zola, yeah, mm-hmm. so Zola is a is a stripper who just has this wild ass story about her time going down to Florida with this <laughs> other stripper, white yeah, white white <laughs> stripper Stephanie, and it's I mean it's it's a fun movie just because they really play with the format. And the storytelling, I mean, she's reading the tweets, right? So it is literally just like based on the tweets that she's sending out. And you're going down just like... Like in the script, you'll hear the... the, Yeah. As they literally say lines in the script that are from the tweet direct. Right. So, And sometimes it's like you won't even catch that they're saying stuff that Mm -hmm. was tweeted because it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Uh, it's also got Coleman Domingo in here, who, uh, who is the I'm honestly giving the best performance in the movie. <laughs> yeah. it, it, long time overdue for this guy. I've seen yeah. him on Broadway a couple of times. He's an amazing actor. He's incredible. He has a real chance to like do some wild, wild stuff in for this sure. Yeah. Uh, also got everybody's favorite from Succession. Oh, Succession. Nicholas Braun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is in here, and then <laughs> Taylor Page, who I hadn't seen before uh, as Zola. I thought she was, was really good too. What a what a great like introducing credit, you know? Yeah. If you get like a you know, it's like your first big movie and you get the introducing credit. She yeah. she kind of knocks it out of the park with yeah. a very flustered performance. <laughs> kind of like yeah. honestly, it's a what the fuck performance. Like she's just yeah. reacting the whole time to the craziness around her. And it's, I mean, it's a difficult performance to pull off too, because there's, there's, right. there's, she's kind of riding this line between like, she's got to act disinterested. She's kind of got to act in a, in a naturalistic way, right? Like she's, she's partially this character that like everything about this world is heightened and like, mm-hmm. you know, turned up to 11, but mm-hmm. she's got to be almost the grounded element of though, cause she's the, she's right. your POV. Right. So she can't be mm-hmm. too crazy or too zen because everybody else is like off One the deep million. end, you know. Yeah. Right. So she's got to she's got to dial it back, but still be able to bounce off of them 
in a way that like fits the world itself. So I would say Zola, Zola is one of my my favorite movies of the year. I should oh, I should definitely put that on my list. Too. Yeah, The Green Knight. Uh, if people oh, good. Seen I'm glad that. you're including this. Yeah, because um, yeah. it is like there's two people of color in the entire movie, but they are one of them is the lead. One of them is the lead, and it is. I mean, it's one of those things where you are taking this very famous story, right? That very much so, like specific, like specific. If you so, if you are somebody like Dev Patel, right, who like is from the UK, and this is like a very like famous story in those spaces, right? You've got all mm -hmm. this like authorian like fantasy from the medieval times. And like you don't really get to be seen in those spaces so being able to to play this role and the movie itself is wild you know the movie itself the movie is itself a very is just a full acid trip <laughs> yeah and it's faithful right to the to the yes. actual like legend but it is like it diverts a lot just in terms of like the visual retelling of it because you are getting these these more surreal fantasy visuals in here like it's not lord of the rings it's not like you know a lot of these other fantasy type films that you might see yeah so um you know dev patel he's fantastic in it he's um, great in it he's great in it you know and again it's another kind of tricky performance where he's got to play this character that is starting in one place right like very like not necessarily arrogant, but like feeling himself, right? Like he's he's kind of mm -hmm. coming from a place where he maybe like isn't like, yeah, I'm next, but he's in his mind, he's like, mm -hmm. I'm next, you know, I'm coming up. Um, and he kind of gets put in this position where he goes up against the Green Knight and like then has to, you know, the basically the story is like, you know, he he beheads this. Because, I mean, is the Green Knight, like, mythical in a sense? Like He's got to be mythical because dude is a tree. <laughs> well, dude is a tree, but, yeah. <laughs> dude is a tree. <laughs> but it is, it is like, you know, he, he beheads this creature. Um, but then a tree. It's like, <laughs> a right. tree man. But, like, the deal is, like, our, you know, you get to strike a blow on me. Then in a year's time, you know, like, I retire. I will. I return the exact same blow to you. Right. Um, and it kind of, you know, the whole thing ends up in this very impressionistic space of like, you decide, you know, almost kind of like what, what happened in the end. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I really loved his performance in this movie. He's somebody who every, every, I mean, every time you see him, you're just like, yeah, why isn't he more things? Like if Dip why aren't more things you to the do. guy? Why aren't yeah. you Adam Driver? You know, why aren't yeah. you like in 30 things a year? And you kind of know why, but you know at why. the same time, we, we yeah. know why. <laughs> yeah, I thought that he he did a terrific job in that. And like, we'll love to see him do more stuff. I'll also throw out, I'm sure this is on your list. The harder they fall, right? Like of that's of course one that's just like, can we talk about the harder they fall? Like, oh, okay, hold on what? a second. I gotta, I gotta get you set up for this. <laughs> hit me, hit me. Talk about it. This movie, like, slapped me in the face. <laughs> I wasn't mm -hmm. ready for it. I didn't kind of, I didn't know it was coming. Yep. And I always get excited 
for black ensemble movies in, in the first place. But this ensemble is just like everybody and like top tier people. I'm talking Idris Elba and Jonathan Majors in the lead roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Regina King. You got Lakeith Stanfield. You got David Wayne Jr. in like a five yeah. minute scene. You got who else? Who else? Am okay, I? You got Zazie. Zazie Beats. You got my boy who should have won an Oscar last year. Delroy Lindo. Boy, yep. What a just forgotten performance. And I'm so mad. I know it's another sidebar, but the Five mm-hmm. Bloods should have been nominated for Best Picture. And he definitely should have won Best yep. Actor with that performance. That was incredible what he did in that movie. Yeah. But you got Delroy Lindo here. And it's just. It's what it's it's kind of what I would want to do if I had the chance a little bit. Yeah. So it was in a personal in a personal sense. Um, basically you take storied mythical people who actually existed in the old West. So actual black cowboys and you place them within a fictional narrative and you just let that narrative kind of swell and turn into just like the most stylish, the most exciting version of that narrative, the most, um, colorful and taking like using every dollar you have, yep. you know, on the screen. Well, it's it's the kind of movie that when you think about westerns and gen- like westerns in general, right? They're kind of like they've been in and out of vogue for a long time, and you know we had yeah they come know, and go. True Grit, Yuma, and I think there's a few others that have kind of been in and around, you know, in modern times, but. It is crazy because, you know, there's there's been attempts to kind of put black people in these spaces. I mean, even the latest one with uh, the Magnificent Seven, the Magnificent Seven remake. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was um, who was the director? Fuqua. Yeah. Antoine Fuqua. Yeah. So like there's definitely been opportunities to kind of, I mean, <laughs> our favorite wild, wild west, you know, you had Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God. Um, but you know, <laughs> this was, this was the one where it was just like, yeah, let's like, I think a lot of the times what happens with these movies is there's, there's a certain expectation of them to be not even just transformative and like this, this powerful message about, race and you know all this stuff and this was just a fun movie that had black people in it like it wasn't like i i love that it's just fun yeah you know like short just popcorn they they touch on like it's not like they ignore you know those issues but it's like and issues yeah yeah but it's like no we we are going to remove all that because these are going to take place in these all black towns and this is going to take place specifically between these black people when they encounter white people, you know, mm-hmm. they're going to shoot a lot of them, but also, <laughs> but also, uh, yeah. Yeah. What's the, what's the line where the, the train conductor is like, you damn dirty nip. Yeah. Regina King blasts him away before he can get it out. And he said, uh, Lakeith said, what if he called you a nincompoop? She yeah. She says, we ain't no nincompoop. <laughs> but I'm she's like, also hey, like, all yeah. right. <laughs> I think she also says something along the lines of like, you know, nine times out of 10, 
you know how that ends, right? <laughs> like, you know, like it's not, there's no illusions of like, oh yeah, like maybe he was going to say something else. It's like, mm, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, that, that stuff comes up and they talk about it and they touch on it. Even the idea of the town, right? Is like, there's a reason they need that town. And it's because it's a safe space for, you know, these black people. Although obviously Idris Elba has other ideas about what safe means, but I think that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, I I'm contemplating two two essay. I got a Medium account because there's there's oh. a couple of things that I want to write about. But one of them, I, one of the things I want to write about is the necessity of mediocre black art. Um, and like, this is not mediocre, but I but I'm speaking more so in the sense of like the idea uh, of. Go ahead, because uh, I've been postulating this very idea yeah. for a long time. Go ahead. I just think we talked about it here. Yeah. Well, the idea of a thing just being okay, right? Like, and I think the harder they fall is is better than okay, right? But like, if you are looking at it like, oh man, like, is this one of the best films ever made? Or like, is it like none of it is a technical marvel, right? Like, they, they nothing no, is reinvented no. or changed, or you no. know, like, there's no even the performances aren't like wow like that was one of the most breathtaking this is not the best performance of anyone's individual career in this movie no. No. but it's allowed to just be a thing right like right. it is removed from certain expectations or certain like like the weight that gets put on a lot of black art where it has to be exceptional it has to be something that really resonates and speaks to x y and z as opposed mm -hmm. to just like there how many mediocre movies are put out by white people every year where even if it's just like and look i like movies like hot rod i like movies <laughs> that are just I like, a hot like rod. yeah I like they're a hot just rod. like that's not a good movie right like uh yeah it's but it's fun it's dumb like this again i'm not comparing harder they fall to something like that but it's just saying that like the harder they fall i think for certain people it was like oh man like you know why didn't they why didn't they do this or why didn't they talk about that or like why didn't they go harder like in this section and it's like why why does it need to do that why like why can't why can't it, it just it be on its own merits and just be fun it's a fun popcorn film where everybody and that's the thing about it everybody in the movie you know to to coin a phrase they understood the assignment they knew what movie they yes. were in regina king knew exactly what movie she was in she played it exactly how you would want somebody to play it like yeah. there's not really anything here where any of the actors necessarily needed to like really stretch and dig down deep to give you know a a, a deep performance but i think that played to the strengths of the movie because everybody was allowed to just kind of like do it right everybody go 110 percent in whatever yeah. direction they wanted to and everybody I'd, did i'd right? liken it to i'd liken it to uh you know netflix put out that ryan got uh not ryan gossing but ryan reynolds and the rock action comedy this year yeah. red notice yeah where you know netflix probably banked a gazillion dollars on it mm -hmm. you know and it's an action comedy that is like aiming for the middle of the road yeah and those movies get made every day. You get 12 of them a month, right? Yeah. And this time it was that, but it was black art for the black gaze on that level. Yeah. And it was 
great to see. It felt yeah. better. It felt better because I knew that the director put everything he had into it. He made a movie yeah. with his heart. He wrote the songs yeah. <laughs> in the film. Uh, the songs play out in the film and they're like actually kind of like uh, reflecting what's going on on screen. Not necessarily mm -hmm. telling the story, but like yeah. reflecting what's going on on screen. You know, if they're in a saloon, it's a saloons kind of song. Yeah. Or if it's like riding in the, you know, in the mountains, it's a riding in the mountains kind of song, you know? Yeah. And he made those songs. He even sings a song at the end. Like, yeah. I, I felt the love in the movie and it takes it to the next level. And sure. I know what you're talking about with this, like with black film, how it can just end up being mediocre, even when even when we put our heart into it, yeah. even when there is like some sort of a budget behind it. But it always feels like and this is the term I used when I have when I talk about the same issue, but like the plastic couchification mm -hmm. of our films, right? Because yeah. they're always like, even if it's a budget, it's the Tyler Perry movie. So like mm -hmm. Tyler Perry will put like nine, ten million dollars behind um acrimony. But yeah. acrimony still looks like acrimony and they shot it in <laughs> like shit. You know what I mean? Like sure it's still yeah. it, right. It's still those movies. It's still like a plastic couch movie like it's nice but don't sit on it you know yeah yeah it's, it's okay but don't sit on it you know yeah yeah for sure and this felt like sit down have some popcorn watch your favorite stars like get in a crazy shootout that looks really good on a really good set with some dope music behind it you know yeah. and that feels fucking great honestly <laughs> like for sure. even if it's not a five-star movie like i'm not going to remember it like star wars yeah, it it feels just as exciting. Yeah, well, I I love what you said because I feel like that is is the one of the things I definitely felt is that it was made for us. Like it was, yeah, a movie made by black people for black people to watch and enjoy. Yes. and like sometimes that's all you need, you know. Like that's it. Yeah, I would say for me the last the last movie I'll throw out there just you sure. know because I could talk all day, but you know like. Hit me, hit me with yours after this. If there's, if there's a couple more that you had, um, but another sure. one that I, I love this year was Summer of Soul, which is the quest. That's my number one with a bullet. Yeah, that was yeah. such a fantastic movie. I think for what we were just saying was this is a movie made by Questlove for Black people to for watch black people. and to yes. enjoy, <laughs> and like if you are unfamiliar with Summer of Soul, like it was. It was a concert that was going on simultaneously, like around the same time as like two, Woodstock. Two weeks before. Yeah. And was two referred to Woodstock. Yeah. It was referred to as Black Woodstock, even though like Woodstock wasn't really a thing, you know, when this was going on. But um, it had a crazy amount. It was a, it was a multi-day festival, but it had a crazy amount of Black performances by some of the best, you know, I mean, like the movie starts off with a just mind blowing, mind blowing. I'm telling you, mind blowing yeah. uh, drum solo from Stevie Wonder, a yeah. young Stevie Wonder. And this is before mm -hmm. he had even done like the the seminal albums, you know, him from this is yeah. like he's almost still little Stevie Wonder at this point. Yeah. And he's just and the movie opens with this explosive drum solo from him. And you're just like locked in. Yeah. Well, I mean, and then you've got performances by everyone from... I mean, the big names are like, what, Gladys Knight and the Pips? Well, you got Gladys Knight, you got Sly and the Family yeah. Stone. Sly and the Family um, Stone. 
David Ruffin. Yeah, David Ruffin comes. David Ruffin comes out there in a corduroy suit <laughs> in July. Yep, that's what and I was going to say. This man gives his all. <laughs> just, just a the the suit. You know, like if you were to look at it and just be like, "Wow, like that." That man, you know, because he's he's out, right? He's out of the temptations yeah. at that point, and he's just doing his thing. And you're looking at him like, "All right, bro." I mean, you know, like real, real uncle energy <laughs> of just like. I mean, the lapels on his suit yeah. are some real uncle energy for sure. Anything is liable to happen, but you've got yeah, you've got groups like the Fifth Dimension. Nina oh, Simone yeah. closes it out with an incredible performance. Um, you've got some really cool stuff too because there's it, it runs the gamut of like you know these top stars that you know but then uh some other people who people may not be as familiar with like Hugh Masekela Hugh Masekela yeah uh, I was gonna say that gets a gets a moment there uh Max Roach gets a moment there with his wife oh yeah um I'm looking I'm trying to look uh I feel bad oh it's Ray Barreto Ray Barreto comes out and does oh yeah uh, yeah, yeah some really cool stuff and the, well, there's a moment between the Staples Singers and Mahalia. That's that's the big moment. That's yeah. one of the one of the big moments of the movie. Just these these important iconic black moments happening. The the big thing, right, is like this is a documentary because this footage was lost for a long time. It was just kind of sitting in a basement somewhere and Questlove was able to track it down and recover it and put it all, you know, back together. And so like people haven't seen this footage in a long time. Right. And the people who participated in it went to the concert, you know, are watching this footage back and seeing it for the first time. in what is it now? Like 40 something years, basically. And you see the emotion coming out of them, you know, performer and attendee alike. And I think it is really significant in the sense of like, this was a cultural watershed moment for so many black people, you know, specifically, you know, black people who are living up in Harlem, mm -hmm. um, you know, just getting an opportunity to have their own space and have something just for them. Right. Like white people came to this too. Like you see a few white sure. people in the crowd, but like, it really is, I think, I think we see it a lot. And, you know, there's, there's, some, there's a show that, you know, we'll talk about in a minute that I feel like delivers that same energy. But, like, for a lot of Black people, right, like, there's something about being not just amongst other Black people, but, like, being part of a moment that is affirming, right? Ooh. Like, going to a concert, watching a film, listening to a speech, anything like that, that is, like, you are, you're feeling this connection to the black people around you, whether you know them or not, right? Like, it feels like it feels like you're able to just kind of let go of a lot of stuff, you know, while you're in that space, and you're experiencing that. And so this concert, you can Happened see to people, the moment. Yeah, you can see people in the audience really like, not just emotional, right? But like free, there's a freeing element to it, you know, the people dancing in the crowd, people singing along. Like, yeah, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about was like, that's honestly like my favorite thing I saw this year. Well, aside from this movie being my favorite movie that yeah. I saw this year, my and I'm, I'm honestly getting kind of emotional thinking about it. But mm -hmm. like the faces in the crowd. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. The shots of these faces in the crowd, these beautiful, happy black people just like 
snapping the fingers, dancing, yeah, yeah. like loving what they're seeing, like yeah. loving just being out there. And the mm-hmm. crowd is like packed, packed, yeah. like, and it go and it runs the entire like length of the park. You can mm-hmm. see them, the faces just going deep into the park, but it's like, like my favorite shot of the year is not the worm from Dune or like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's these faces. Cause they, it's, yeah. I feel like it, it's like unwrapping a treasure trove and just seeing these beautiful people that have been like sidelined for years. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we don't show black faces just experiencing joy mm-hmm. without reason. Yeah. And here it is, here it is just like, as far as the, eye can see beautiful, happy black people, and there's just like close up after close up of these people just like singing yeah. along to these songs. And oh, my God, it's like so affirming and so mm-hmm. just genuine, just fucking genuine, man. It, and, it, he, and Questlove didn't even have to really do like a whole lot of work. I mean, he did yeah. a lot of work to put he this did. film together. I'm not satellite yeah. that at all. But yeah. Like he had these shots. He's showing them to you. He's mm-hmm. giving you what was there. It, it, like you see all those shots of like kids in the crowd at Woodstock like smoking weed and like dancing around with beads in the mud or like dancing yeah. on top of their Volkswagen Beetles but here you just got people sitting in a hot park in Harlem singing along the glass at night in the pips and it's like the most beautiful thing I've yeah. almost ever seen kind of <laughs> I mean the end with Nina Simone is, is chilling when they're singing Young oh. Gift of the Black oh, oh uh, my god like I'm getting chills thinking about <laughs> it right now like the way she like pulls the lyrics up and just like takes the mic and just you know in her very Nina Simone mm-hmm. way, very direct to the crowd. Not e- no frills about it. Like, come up, get up here and sing it with me. You know. Yeah. And, and I'm I'm floored. I'm floored. Yeah. Like like it's an action scene out of Fast and Furious. You know. <laughs> like it, it's it is that <clears throat> emotional. And I I mean I, I doubt white people feel that emotion. And I kind of don't give a <laughs> shit whether or not they feel anything seeing this movie. But like just seeing these people like just experience joy in this way mm-hmm. is like i feel like i've never seen it before yeah i honestly well, feel like i had never seen it before and just i mean the idea of black joy right black joy is a radical act when yes. you think about what the times were right and like all the things going it's on 1969 around yeah when this, you know when this happened it's just like you see black people who probably, you know, who knows what the week entailed for them? Who knew what that day leading up to it? There were riots them? a year ago. There were you know, riots a year ago because of the death of Martin Luther King. Like, <laughs> people are still very raw. People are still people very are raw. This is Harlem, New York City. You yeah. know, this is these. This is the epicenter of black culture, and these people are happy. These people are no one's. Yeah. No one's wilding out. No one's like so no. happy they had to like destroy something they no. are in their church clothes mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean there was a there, there was a gospel day in the festival yeah, for sure they're out there in their church clothes on a hot sunday afternoon dancing and singing and oh my god like <laughs> well because there's, there's there's a two-sided thing happening that you see and you hear because you hear from some of the people who got to perform that day mm-hmm. um like and you hear a little like Mavis Staples is talking, you know, of some, like some pre-recorded footage or mm-hmm. some audio of her. But like, it meant a lot to both sides. Like it meant a lot to the people who got to perform, 
you know, like being like, I think Gladys Knight talked about it, like being yeah. able to look out into just a sea of black faces who are like wrapped <sighs> at attention, you know, like they are here to see you and like they're, they're singing along, they're dancing along. Like it is a real moment, you know, that you're having like as I a performer like watching this movie. <laughs> yeah. But then I on the wanted to take it all in. Yeah. But then on the reverse, like you could tell how much it meant to the people in the crowd watching it because it's like here is this well, thing the movies bookended right by yeah uh a boy who was a well a man but yeah. he was like seven mm -hmm. when he went to the festival and he he's recounting that he had this vague memory of this festival he almost didn't remember it happened you know yeah it's kind of like this storybook event for him almost yeah and, and so then he's seeing the footage and he's just wrapped with emotion yeah. <laughs> seeing that it was real yeah it was it was real and it was like a thing that i think for a lot of people i i don't know if they and like ever thought something like that would happen you know like i, I don't know if they ever felt yeah. like an event of that size and that magnitude with that many of like the, the day's important and big, you know, acts like would come out not like, you know, Harlem was and is still, you know, like an important cultural, you know, touchstone for black America. But like sure. the fact that they would all come out to this park and like put on this performance for them. Right. Like that's what was <laughs> it was for you. Right. And so like so many times, I mean, think about it, 1969, like how many things of that scale were happening specifically for black people that weren't like a civil rights march? You know what I mean? That were like arts and culture for you, you know, like that's a handful. I can of take a shot in the dark. Have. I can take a shot in the dark and say yeah. zero. Yeah. Minus this. <laughs> so, you know, the fact that you got to attend something like this and be a part of something like this, which hopefully, yeah, with, a, with this film, kind of comes back into the larger consciousness and is remembered on the scale of something like a Woodstock or some of these, you know, more, you know, watershed art festivals of the time, like putting this back into that canon of like, mm -hmm. yeah, this meant something and was important and like people should watch this film, but even hopefully, you know, there's plenty of performance films and like, you know, you can watch the footage of Woodstock, like hopefully, yeah the footage from this gets released in the sense of like, you can watch yeah. the full performances of Stevie wonder and, you know, some of the other people of the day. Um, Cause it's, I mean, the last thing to say about it is like, it thankfully is recorded like, like top quality. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like yeah. secondhand the, camera footage. The colors, like it is, the colors are gorgeous. <laughs> colors are gorgeous. The audio is crisp. Like everything about it is like, you know, think again, thankfully it was documented and captured like, like any other performance of that magnitude deserved to be captured and, and recorded. So, um, shout out to Questlove for real, shout out or to even Questlove like for, for, for making this happen. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, i never thought I would get something like this. I mm -hmm. didn't, I didn't think I wanted it. I didn't yeah. know if I, cause I'm a big fan of music documentaries. Yeah. Like some of my favorite movies of all time are like talking heads stop making sense mm -hmm, the woodstock mm -hmm. documentary the monterey mm -hmm. pop festival documentary mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. dave chevelle's block party honestly mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. some of my favorite movies are music documentaries and they're so important because they capture 
a period in time and like what people were feeling in the time. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, just feeling not like yeah. how they were talking or, you know, uh, vernacular wise or like, but literally what they looked like, what they looked like when they were experiencing joy, like what the dances were like, what the music, what the music was like and what mm-hmm. that brought out of people in a sheer visceral sense. And this movie is like the, those senses, you know, sound and vision <laughs> mm-hmm. just used in the best way possible, just used in the most efficient and, um, best way possible to unearth something that like to that guy who was who was a kid at the time almost didn't know it existed almost like he attended it and didn't know if he really attended it or not you know and for him and for us you know this was like magic become real for sure magic made real yeah do you have any other movies from this uh, year that we're we're doing things for you i'll do a couple i'll do some real some rapid fire ones yeah because yeah. uh, i think we touched on the ones that i think were the most important mm-hmm. POC, poc films i do want to shout out <laughs> i want to shout out bad trip actually okay uh, yeah the eric andre laurel and tiffany haddish hidden foot hidden camera comedy yeah and usually those are meant to show how goofy real people are (laughs) yeah you catch people in some goofy situations and you let them be goofy and this movie does that (laughs) and it is not like a great movie by any sense but it's definitely (laughs) a good time it's definitely a good time uh but it's did you see this movie jordan i did not i i i would suggest checking it out actually because the one thing i think that it actually does in a really cool way is show how good people are and uh because there's so many things that like there's so many hidden camera shows you can watch on youtube i mean i don't know if anybody's out here watching side talk nyc you know bing bong for all my friends out (laughs) here watching that shit but um that kind of that stuff shows how unhinged americans can really be right yeah but then you got this movie where you got Eric Andre doing his regular Eric Andre thing, you know, trying to make people as uncomfortable as possible. I mean, the first scene of the movie is him working at a car wash and then he accidentally vacuums his entire outfit off. And so he's completely naked out here. <laughs> and the guy whose car he was cleaning is like, what are you doing? Why are you fully naked? What's going yeah. on? Um. But there are multiple scenes where like something crazy will happen, like a car crash or something, or the characters will get into a fight and then people will get involved and they try to squash the beef mm-hmm. or they try to be like, hey, man, like, you know, chill out. Maybe maybe you should apologize to your friend or something like that. Or maybe you should like, you know, take a moment like there's a scene where Tiffany Haddish is holding a person like on the side of a building and the people there's some people on a lunch break at a food cart and they're like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. <laughs> everybody starts watching and this one lady is like hey hold on let me pray for y'all real quick <laughs> like let me pray on this moment real quick mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and it's really it's honestly like the movie's like you know a c plus honestly 
And it's got some really cool, like, hidden camera moments. Sure. Um, but it really, like, I don't know if this is what they were aiming for, but it ends up showing, like, humanity in a time where everybody is politicized and, you know, got their about their own side and about, you know, their own safety and they're looking out for themselves. But it shows, like, some real humanity that that's that's the biggest surprise out of that movie i thought it yeah. deserves it definitely deserves a shout for being a surprise in that sense for sure um i want to shout out my two uptown latino musicals mm. uh this year we got uh lin-manuel miranda's in the heights in the, in the heights yeah i saw that which, that was good that was good yeah i liked it I liked it a lot. It, it had some some really great moments that, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I mean, I've seen I saw the musical off Broadway about okay. 10, 12 years ago, and I never expected it to be this big, <laughs> you know, and like show the community for really what it was. Now I know that oh, there was some beef because there wasn't enough Afro Latino Latina uh, representation, and there could have been more, yeah. And there could have been more, sure, definitely. But I think it does a great job at showing people be people. Yeah. <laughs> in a in a big budget movie setting, obviously. But like it's showing people just like those are people you meet. And I, I feel like I actually could see those people or could meet those people. It's a little heightened, obviously, for a musical sense, but I feel like I kind of met those people, you know, I meet those people every day on the subway, you know, those are real people. Yeah. And that's really what it's about. Honestly, it's about like real people living actual lives in New York city. And I think that comes across. Uh, And like Lin-Manuel Miranda's music, we don't have to, we don't have to spend too long on that because we've all been through the Hamilton phase of our lives. Um, But these are some, some strong songs guys. Like don't, (laughs) don't miss these. Don't miss these songs. The other one I wanted to shout out I just saw was Steven Spielberg's adaptation of West Side Story. Did you see this? I have not seen it yet. So as a movie buff myself, I wanted to write this movie off on principle. Okay. Even though, this, and and I know this movie includes, the original movie includes Brownface on many a level. Sure does. Many a level. But I still will argue that West Side Story is a perfect movie. <laughs> there there aren't too many. The original movie yeah. is, we don't have too many. There aren't too many that exist. Right. But I think West Side Story is a perfect movie. And the new one actually manages to be its own thing. <laughs> All right. Somehow. <laughs> I mean, it's a new script. It isn't it, like, I don't think there are any scenes that, say the same words honestly mm-hmm. um other than the songs and it manages to recontextualize the movie even though it is in the same setting it is recontextualized um and steven spielberg's direction is like on a million like i kind of was i'm not a fan of late career spielberg and <laughs> by that i mean like lincoln the post the war horse uh war horse <laughs> Blah, like a lot of these movies yeah straight suck <laughs> and this is like a return to like jurassic park war of the worlds okay. schindler's list 
I'll even throw in the color purple, which I think is like one of his top films. It's a, he's his filmmaking's on a million here, and he's actually uh, including Latino people, Afro Latino people, um, letting them speak Spanish for themselves. Mm-hmm. None of the Spanish is subtitled in the film. Nice, which is a bold choice. Yeah, <laughs> and they speak full scenes in Spanish. All right. It's incredible to see. It's like, honestly, that in itself feels like a radical act. Yeah. And you can understand everything, obviously, because you can feel everything. And the songs are vibrant. Your boy Ansel Elgort is problematic. So we're going we gonna to put that to the side. <laughs> the same way we're going to put the brown face in the original to the side. We're going to, we're just going to like put Ansel over there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, shout out to uh, shout out to Ariana DeBose playing Anita in this new version, who is like, like, wow, what a talent. <laughs> like, okay. wow, what a talent. The way she sings and dances America in this version is. I was I had to pee this whole movie and I could <laughs> not get up. I could not get up. So those are my two musicals I'll shout out. Okay. Oh, and the last two movies I'll do, I'll say um, Passing, I just saw. Okay, so got to watch Hall's, that. Yeah, Rebecca Hall's adaptation of the short story is quite good. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, Rebecca Hall, a white woman, mostly white woman. She actually is like part black. I know, yeah. She found out in her own journey. Um, directed, wrote and directed this film based on a mm-hmm. short story. And it is just flawlessly acted by its two leads, Ruth Nega and uh, Tessa Thompson, mm-hmm. with Andre Holland in a role he deserves. Yeah, he, he's getting he's getting his his time back. He coming like back. He coming sign. back strong. Yeah. Like flawlessly acted, and like the script is kind of bewitching in the sense that. You're you don't know how to feel in certain moments, yet you know exactly how to feel. And I've never I've never experienced that in a movie. So I, I'll, I'll say it stands out in that sense where okay. what you're presented with is ambiguous. But in your heart, you know exactly how you're supposed to feel. And uh, the last movie I'll shout out is. Your boy, haha, your boy, Ooh, Will Smith yeah. and King Richard. <laughs> yeah did, and did you see this i still have to watch that too i'll, I'll say this and okay. this is we know this to be true already when will smith wants to do it he can do it <laughs> oh for sure yeah no he's, ali, he... ali is one of those performances where you're just like god damn <laughs> you know yeah will smith i think and this is the this is that you know he had and still has, you know, when whenever he wants to, the ability to be, you know, a top actor. People can debate whether or not, you know, they think he's in the same league as somebody like Denzel, or even now, you know, when you've got, you know, Mahershala's and you've got Yaya and you've got, mm-hmm. you know, Jonathan Majors, Jonathan and, Majors, know, people, yeah. people out here who are, you know, and we incredible. and we could have we could have said the same thing about Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, yeah, for sure, certainly. For sure. Um, so. You know, all right. Can he can he get on that? I think he can get on that level if he's at 
you know, matching some of them at their best, you know, that's up for debate. But I think he's not somebody who, you know, is, is a, he's not a bad actor by any stretch of the imagination. And but you don't look to him for those performances. You, you don't, don't say, here's a, here's a Will Smith movie. We're going to get that A plus 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 uh, yeah. acting here. Well, because I think the, the same thing, you know, Samuel Jackson kind of fell into this as well. The Rock is... And he can do it, too. Like, yeah. Samuel Jackson, this is the problem with Samuel Jackson, too. He, he can do it if he wants to, too. If he wants to, yeah. And, like, The Rock is knee-deep in this now, too. Not that I... The Rock is interesting, because I... Pain and Gain, which I haven't seen, but people say is... I've seen he, that, actually. He gives a good dramatic performance. And I feel like yeah. he has capable of, of giving that good, not great, not life-changing but like i'm sure he could do good dramatic performance if he you know pushed himself but they're all just so much money is to be made and just hey just play will smith hey just play samuel jackson hey just play the rock you know like don't do anything else just be you that's what people want to see they want to see you in the movie yeah you know, so like we're not even going to try to give you anything bigger, bolder, more nuanced. Mm -hmm. You're not going to play a character, you know, capital mm -hmm. C character. You're just going to be, you know, none of that Johnny Depp shit. Like, you know, no makeup. No, like you're just you, you know, yeah. you're you as a lawyer, you're you as a CIA agent, <laughs> you're you as a a doctor you know you're you whatever as a father. Yeah, it's, it's will smith the doctor will smith the yeah the, the, in the pursuit of happiness he's even will smith honestly yeah. and like millions upon millions of dollars in that you know because people want to watch will smith and yeah. so you know there's really not any prerogative to not be will smith <laughs> you know because like mm -hmm. you could make so much money just being will smith so yeah, he has you know <laughs> he has done that but I think he's reaching the point in his career. And look, he made Bright, what, two years ago, three years ago? Oh, They're making Bright I two. turned off Bright in the first 15 minutes. <laughs> Bright I didn't two even was get, happening. I didn't even get beyond the exposition of that movie. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not even to act like he's about to, like, go on a run or something because it's yeah, very. You said Bright 2 is coming. Yeah. You know, he's he'll, he'll, he'll be right back at it if the check is right. But I think he definitely <laughs> That's has. right. <laughs> he definitely had he, he he will show us every once in a while every five to six years he'll do a movie and you're like yeah will smith but transitioning over to tv there were yeah. a few things i wanted to touch on well i guess before we get out of movies very briefly we'll touch on this because ashley put this on her list that she sent to me and mm -hmm. i was thinking about it and i was like it is tricky because it did technically come out in 2020 but was released in mass in 2021 uh and that would be minari which i did like oh a yes lot. Um, minari was fantastic yes so for tv there's a couple of things i wanted to touch on really liked reservation dogs if you haven't watched reservation dogs on fx i finished it today <laughs> yeah it's it's a lot of fun i didn't finish the whole thing i'm still i'm like a couple episodes behind uh, oh but getting into like the first couple of episodes like one, it's always like every time you see a show full of people that you don't know, you're always just like, where have you been? You know, like all of these actors and actresses in the show are fantastic. It's a crime almost that, you know, like this is the first time they're being seen. They're young, you know, so it's not like 
they've been around for you know 20 years and now they're finally getting an opportunity to to be in the show but sure. it's just like if if they were disney kids or something like that you know what i mean like they would have been in 30 movies by now yeah or those 30 shots, tv shows by now those shots at like zendaya or chloe and hallie or you know people like that who like have sure. gotten those opportunities yeah. but I mean, you see them now, right? Like you see mm -hmm. how like they've been around for they've been in our public eye for a minute. And now they're kind of glowing up as they grow up. But like, you know, these kids very easily have a similar talent level. Like, I, I don't know if there's one kid on the show that I'm like, yeah, you know, the rest of them are, you know, beyond you. Like, I think they're all equal in their own way with what they're doing. Um, and that's the beauty of the show a little bit, because once you get I, I it, it's also the format of the show is that yeah the first two are kind of about their big problem it's like they live on mm -hmm. a reservation in oklahoma and they're tired of living on said reservation and they want to get yeah. out so they want to go to california they want to get in the car and drive to california and after you discover that problem the middle four episodes are about each of their problems or yeah, it yeah. just center centers on one of the children mm-hmm and they all pull their weight. Yeah. Each of their episodes is just as good as the last one. Mm -hmm. Just as interesting and like revealing as the last one. And they all give good performances. I'd shout out, I'd shout out um Homegirl who plays uh Elora Dannon. Yeah. A little yeah. bit. She's she's got one of those faces that's like you can just feel everything going on mm -hmm. up top. Yeah. Yep. I liked I liked Homegirl who played uh uh willie jack too yeah i love willie jack she <laughs> she's hilarious um and also what's 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 homeboy who's just he's this native actor who's been in everything and he gets a chance to show his comedic chops here which, you know who i'm talking about right which, i'm talking about the the officer oh yeah, yeah, yeah. oh zan zan mcclannan yes yes yeah and he plays uh big, right? Yeah, yeah big he's officer. the officer. But he's also been like the native person in any movie you've ever seen, honestly. He was the native person on Westworld. I mean, he's been doing it for a long, yeah. long time. I'm sure he's even sick of it. But he gets a chance to shine here. Everybody gets everybody's doing great on that show. It's a fun everybody's show. Everybody's doing a really good job. Um Yeah. And we'll we'll shout out uh, it's Sterling Harjo and Taika Waititi are the yes. creators of the show. Uh, and like, it's again, you know, when you, when you think about representation in general, right? Like how often have native people gotten a chance to not only tell, you know, their own authentic stories on the, on like cable television. Right. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. then also like, it's a comedy, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like a, Oh, it's a capital yeah. C comedy too. Yeah, let's get into this really dramatic. Like we're going to talk about our people and our history, and that's in there. Like that's definitely not not mm -hmm. a part of the show, but it's a. a, a it's comedy. like it's it's even handed a little bit. Yeah, because like there's the main character Bear. Uh, he he has a he has visions of he has a vision of a spirit that comes mm -hmm. to him. Yeah. In, and it's the spirit of a guy who died, an, a native warrior who died in the Battle of Little Bighorn, but he died before he had the chance to yeah. like kill anyone. <laughs> yeah. But he's he's hilarious, but he's also he's always saying something that's got like a lot of truth in it, but he's yeah. saying it in a hilarious, hilarious way. For sure. 
And I think that's the that's the the tricky balance. The writing in the show is very sharp, and so Incredibly they're able sharp. to yeah, kind of go back and forth between like presenting the issues of not only you know these young kids but also of native people specifically ones living on reservations but at the same time mm-hmm. like uh i forget the like the two brothers that ride around on the bikes like they're hilarious oh. like um <laughs> they are hilarious yeah like they're, <laughs> they're just, actually it's, hilarious it's like characters right like everybody on the reservation is a character in some way shape or form and like not in a caricature way but like in a way that's mm-hmm. like yeah there's there's inner lives going on there's a lot of just like good-hearted humor going on so if you haven't watched it, it's on FX. You can watch it on Hulu. That's where I've been watching it. Uh, so definitely shout out Reservation Dogs. Another show I wanted to shout out that I think this this one for me is the one that kind of ties back into ooh, Summer of Soul. Uh, and that would be High on the Hog, which was... Uh, oh, oh was I watched that, actually. Yeah. Like, shout that's out that of, show. That's that was an incredible show. It got a second season. Like at the end, where they're like season two coming soon, I was like, "God damn right it is!" Because like, I hope so. You know, if you did this only four episodes, with so many stories to tell, right? Like to yep. only cap it at four would have been criminal. It would have been absurd. So, for yeah. those who haven't seen it, High on the Hog is a show that explores black food in a historical context, but also in a present day context because it's tying it in to a lot of different things. Whether it's like there's an episode about the the cooks for the founding fathers so you learn about the cooks for thomas jefferson and also george washington and like not only how they created a lot of the cuisine that we eat today still but also like just the incredible stories about them as individuals and like how they had to because like one of them the, the thomas jefferson one was sally hemmons brother uh which yeah is a whole <laughs> fucked up situation um but he ended up getting to go to france right he, he got to go to France to study, but then had to barter his own freedom yep. with his brothers. Basically, like he, Thomas Jefferson was like, yo, I didn't take you to go to France to like just bounce. Once we got back to America, like I got you there to train you to be my cook. Get your black ass back to the plantation, yeah, buddy. <laughs> basically for life, right? And he was yes. like... You know, I well, I want to be free, and it was like, well, you can be free if you teach somebody else to do what you got taught to do. You yeah, know? you can be free on my plantation cooking for me. Right. So he he taught his brother how to cook, and then he left. Right. So it's just kind of one of those uh, many fucked up stories of slavery. And then there's Hercules, who was George Washington's chef, who dipped. he wasn't about that shit he was like "Uh uh-uh no yeah well there's a story like one because he's he's somebody who history kind of loses track of at a certain point but like he has been trying to get out and like george washington because the thing about george washington is like it's fucked up in, in just one of those ways of you think about the founding fathers and all of the wonderful, beautiful things they wrote about freedom and what it means to be an American, and then also, well, not you black people, right? Like, we're going to figure out how <laughs> not to... Y'all, how, not y'all. Yeah, so, like, he's president, and when he's living in Philadelphia, you know, afterwards, right, it's like there's a law in Philadelphia that if, if you're a black person and you're in Philadelphia for X amount of months, like, you are considered to be free, right? Mm-hmm. And so what he'll do is he'll bring his slaves up to philadelphia to like you know kind of maintain his property 
But then every, like right before they would be free, he'll take them back down to Monticello and then he'll bring them back up to start the whole clock over again, right? Um, so Her- Hercules was tired of that shit and one day he just kind of dipped out and like was never seen again at set four. Allegedly, maybe in New York, you know, at a certain point, but. Um, Allegedly. Yeah. But that's, but that's the whole show, right? Like so much of it is just like connecting black people to the food that we to their food we eat we create but also like to the history of what it all means right like there's a whole episode about the Gullah Islands in South Carolina Oof, uh, that episode they, was really good yeah where they made the gumbo yeah you know and it's part like so it does focus on the food itself right like they will make the food right they will like kind of take you through and walk you through that experience but then there's also you know these really interesting intimate conversations that people are having about not just food right but like this a real deep intimate connection between us as a people and like the food that we eat and the history right like there's a moment where uh let me look up my man's name because he's i think it is the south carolina episode and he's sitting down they're making the gumbo right and well um, he's well the dude who runs the space knows how to make the gumbo and he's oh, yeah, having yeah. him make it in front of him which is kind of funny yeah they're making it he's together like, no, you put in a little bit more salt put a little bit more salt in there yeah what's my man's name steven yeah steven satterfield so he is like he's making this gumbo right and then you know the guy who's making it with him is like Okay, so like, so what do you do when you want to taste it? And he's like, he kind of like does this motion with his hand. And he's like, well, how did you know how to do that? And he was like, I, I just did. I don't know. Like, it's just kind of like an intimate. Yeah. And he kind of walks him through and explains like, yeah, like, you know, back in the day, you know, when slaves wanted to taste something or even like not slaves, like back in Africa, when like, you know, just in the, in the way of tasting food, like you would kind of pour a little bit out on the back of your hands and then taste it. And he was Taste like, it off the back of the hand, yeah. you know, think about that, like generations, right? Like that's, that's an act, like a, like a muscle memory thing passed down from generations of black people, you know, yeah. to you, you know, to know how to do that thing. And he literally did. didn't even know in the moment yeah, where that came from, you know? So there's Which a lot of wild. Yeah. There's a lot of really beautiful moments like that where, you know, there's, there's black people who are carrying on traditions that have been around for a long time. Again, the Gila episode is great in that. And, you know, even just people trying to, to form new connections and make new pathways. So, like, mm. highly would recommend that just as a show to watch because similar to Summer of Soul, like, there's a real, as a black person watching it, like, there are some, some points where I got emotional. Not even just thinking about oh yeah all of that history, but, like, just the stories of some of these people, right? Like, it's really cool and inspiring and, um, you know, like, it gives you a lot to think about, you know, just watching the legacy of not not only just the food, right? Because food is another, it's another area in which black people created a lot of things which are now considered to be quote-unquote American, right? But, like, right. we don't get the same credit for it something like macaroni and cheese, right? Like that was us. Like we brought that to America and like turned that into a whole thing. And so we 
look at these things and we say, oh yeah, like that's just a quintessential American thing where it's like, oh, but that, but that's us too. Like we, yeah, that we wouldn't have that without us. Right. Um, <laughs> so that's another one that I really enjoyed. I will shout out, you know, Squid Game, even though I've only seen the shout first episode Game. so far that like, as just as a phenomenon, right? Like just as something that yeah. took over general pop culture for a hot second, like, it is crazy. The game was about. amazing. It, it really yeah. was. Yeah. Well, and again, it's something that is like, like you got K-pop going on heavy, sure. right? But then, like, you look at stuff like obviously Parasite. You know, was it was a big Korean film, film right? Like new Korean cinema yeah. is like a kind of wave that's going on right now. And my my mom is really into Korean dramas. Like that's her new thing. She's she's starting mm-hmm. to get into that. But like Squid Game. I think was a, a breakthrough in the sense that like for a lot of people, you know, like they just weren't, that's not something that I can conceive of maybe even like five years ago, right? Like this mm-hmm. Korean show on par with like some of the best television of the year in America, right? Like that we're talking about it like, Oh yeah. Like, did you, did you see Squid Game? And the same way that people were talking about Game of Thrones or like, Oh yeah, you know so many other things. So it's really cool to see that. Not only because it was good, you know, like I'm still working my way through it, but you know the fact that it is also like you know something that now we we have access to right in a way that we didn't before, but also that these shows get to be made for a global audience, right? Like it's a very Korean show, right? Like it's not yeah. a show made for a wider audience by Korean people. It's a show made by korean people like it that they would make anything else but like yeah yeah, get yeah to yeah. watch it you know yeah um were there any other tv shows that were speaking to you uh i got three i okay. got three one is a mini series kind of like high on the hog documentary mini series mm-hmm. um it's from director raul peck who, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's known for yeah, yeah. Who's known for you know he made the Patrice Lumumba movie and a documentary mm-hmm. about Patrice Lumumba. Yep. And he also made a film a couple years mm-hmm. ago called The Young Karl Marx, that was also very good. Um, but this year he came to HBO with a show that I don't think a lot of people even saw. I'm sure it just like happened and people just like and just missed yeah. it. But if you have HBO Max, find it and watch yeah. it. Uh, it's called Exterminate All the Brutes, and it is like the realest shit. It's I coming saw for your neck, year. boy. It's coming for your fucking neck. It is not playing. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't give a fuck about what you think about whiteness, about blackness. Yep. It is like this. Are, these are the facts. This is what happened. <laughs> this shit was genocide. Yep. <laughs> and I love that it was just like I didn't give a shit. No. <laughs> this show was like. No, I'm tired of pussyfooting around like notions of whiteness, of capitalism, of like why these things exist in America. It straight like in the notion of casting Josh Hartnett, heartthrob from the 90s, Josh Hartnett as this white man who comes across on the boats and just like shoots anybody who gives him lip, Mm -hmm. (laughs) any red or brown or black man who gives him lip. He's like, fuck you. I'll drown you in a river. You know, because that's what happened. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so I don't think 
I, I think he knows what he did with that with that casting oh, yeah. choice. Oh yeah, yeah. Because Josh Hartnett is the lead of this sort of like the narrative story that's happening over the course of these four episodes. Mm-hmm. So the way he tells the story, uh, did you you saw this right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's wild how he told the story. He basically tells the story of colonialism in our world. Yeah. Uh, from jump. <laughs> as colonialism and genocide as an act conquest as an act and he starts with the brits coming over to america and going elsewhere the international slave trade and he tells the story through a cinematic narrative with josh hartnett coming over as this like white man who's coming to conquest america but he also tells it through you know documentary factoids through animations of you know the slave trade uh one episode focuses specifically on his own journey as a haitian immigrant mm-hmm. it's a fantastic piece honestly yeah. and now that i'm like rethinking about it it honestly might be my favorite thing that i watched this sh- or like second favorite thing and maybe the next thing i'll talk about is my first favorite yeah. thing but it's crazy it's crazy that he it got away with this i know it's one of like <laughs> similar with random acts of flyness. When you watch it, you're just like HBO put this on TV. Okay, HBO let this happen, but All like right. I mean, in a good way. Thank God they let it happen. Yeah, but like they gave him money to do this. Like they gave him the money to produce this. It's crazy. Yeah, and the story is like I mean, these are facts. He's just presenting the facts. Yeah, no, he's just going through it. He's a highly researched director. Uh, I wouldn't even call him a director so much as like a social archivist yeah because his movies don't really deal with well don't really they're not concerned about the cinematic qualities of it even though that's like you know the medium he's telling it through but they're concerned with the the material Mm -hmm. and the story and what needs to get across i mean yeah i think he also directed a documentary on france fanon and that also is mostly about the facts <laughs> you know yeah. it's, it's not even about like it's about the man it was about the man and his work and what he wrote the Karl Marx film is about the man it's not about a cinematic narrative about like oh you know like what's going to happen at the end of the movie he doesn't give a fuck he's worried about no. like this was Karl Marx and this was what he taught yeah and this movie is about conquest slave trade genocide specifically genocide and how horrible an act that is and it's it's just incredible as a piece of work <laughs> and it and it it literally shifts from like surrealism to yeah. the historical narrative yeah. to just lists of facts at a clip that you're just like almost like it boggles the mind as you watch each hour of it yeah it's it's like roots on a million pretty much <laughs> <laughs> but it is a fascinating work and like it's something if you are a black american <laughs> specifically or a native american mm-hmm. you should watch this absolutely just to just to like they should teach this honestly they should teach the work in school because it is literally a presentation of the facts it's not even like a cinematic narrative well i, I think i know what your number one is is it Underground Row. <laughs> it's Underground Row. <laughs> Let's hear it. Your boy is 
three for three at this point. And I, I mean, this isn't a film, but like, damn. <laughs> Moonlight was the start. If Beale Street Could Talk was like, you know, him flexing his cinematic chops. But this is like a 10. It's not even a 10 hour film because one episode is like 20 minutes. And it's not even a whole episode. It's sort of just like a short story within the other narrative. Yeah. But wow. <laughs> wow. And again, it has to deal with slavery. It is a adaptation of Colson Whitehead's novel that also won the National Book Award and the Pulitzer Prize, I think, honestly, for fiction. I'm not 100% sure. I think that is true, though. I think so, too. Yeah. An incredible novel, by the way. When I read, I read, I read the novel. I bought a copy for my mom because I was like, "You have mm-hmm. to read this." Mm-hmm. It's a and the novel, the novel is a surrealistic take on a woman's journey. Well, it's not even necessarily based entirely in reality because some of right. the notions are created for the narrative, but it is about a let me make sure i got my facts straight before i even (laughs) i don't want to speak wrong with this because barry jenkins is a filmmaker that does the research does the work you know Mm -hmm. before he puts anything on screen oh yeah and he could because he wants you to live in a full world when you watch one of his movies uh from the music to the way certain scenes are shot to you know, the whole mise-en-scene to mm-hmm. the actors he chooses for certain performances. It's all part of a piece. Yeah. And this is the best use of his talent so far. I hope he just makes like a goofy comedy next. Because <laughs> like, because like we, we he, Barry Jenkins wants you to live in your feels, you know? Yeah. Uh, and this one has got you deep in your feels. Uh, so yes, the novel is about a woman named Cora who is a slave in the deep South at the start of our story. And her mother has escaped slavery. Her mother escaped the same plantation she's on and left her behind. And she's got this, like, I guess, maternal inkling to do the same, but she's not the same self-sure person her mother was. She's very um a reserved woman Mm -hmm. person who doesn't want to make trouble who doesn't want to who's just very cool with just like being in the background picking cotton staying safe you know yeah and one day she is led to to do that to 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 leave the plantation and i think she's i mean in the film she's motivated and on the TV show, she's uh, motivated by maybe the most horrible act of s- slavery that I've ever seen on screen. Yeah. Or the most punishing act I've ever seen. I will not spoil it. I won't say what it is, mm, but, but it is it's... fully unspeakable yeah. and you have to watch it. Or if you're watching the show, you are forced to see the whole thing happen. Ugh. Ah, jeez, I yeah. like now, and it's like it's it's literally like I've, I mean, I saw Twelve Years a Slave. I saw his character yeah. Twelve Years a Slave is hung by a noose for an entire afternoon, and you're subjected to that. And this thing is worse than that somehow. Yeah. Ugh. 
And, <laughs> ugh, yeah. And she she leaves the plantation, but each episode she is in a different American state on her way to the North to freedom. Mm-hmm. And she gets, and I, I can even say she gets there and I don't spoil what happens. Yeah. Uh, she's also being trailed by a very hard up slave owner named Ridgeway, who also has a young black child companion oh god (laughs) it's all so weighted like yeah the scene where homer the young boy companion they go to sleep one night just you know they're they're on the trail and they've captured cora at this point so she's with them and their ridgeway goes to sleep cora tries to get some sleep but homer chains himself like puts himself in the shackles mm-hmm. to chain himself to the wagon to sleep. Yeah. Was. <sighs> oh my God. The, the notions of slavery that are played with in this TV show are just like, make you think about the whole experience as a completely different entity. It's crushing. Yeah. It's crushing. It's crushing. Every town comes with this new twisted version of slavery mm-hmm. or ex- black existence or white existence in in slavery times. And it's not necessarily just twisted for twisted sake. It's twisted to see like how many different versions or, you know, um notions of american slavery could exist because these aren't even necessarily things that existed it's it's playing with the reality of something that was strictly horrifying yeah but making it more horrifying yeah (laughs) to accentuate the point yeah because honestly when she reaches freedom and it's again i'm not spoiling anything because she reaches freedom about halfway through Mm -hmm. the show and even then it doesn't feel safe. Even no. then it feels like it's paradise, but it's still under lock and key. And it's just, you feel you feel the closeness around you. You feel it caving in on Korra as mm-hmm. she gets to freedom. And it is like an anxiety inducing experience, but it is a beautifully filmed show her performance as Cora is like my top performance of the year. It's fully in her face. It's fully in her eyes. It's fully in her body. Shout out to homeboy who played Homer too. Cause he is a boy. Yeah. <laughs> he is not even 12. He's might be 10. Right. And he is giving like, well, it is fantastic. all in his, it's fantastic to watch it. Yeah. Just, like that scene where he chained himself to the wagon was like, painful Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. painful and he understands it the actor understands it the character understands it it's an incredibly written piece of work it's an incredible novel to read and it's just like the one of the best miniseries since i don't know like since roots honestly yeah it is maybe the best miniseries we have 
as American art, honestly. <laughs> I mean, it, it is like, I'm not, and I'm, this isn't hyperbole. This is actually just yeah. like, you literally have the best filmmaker working, adapting maybe one of the best American novels in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. And it's an entirely enveloping experience. I, I couldn't say, I can't say anything more <laughs> about how brilliant it is in the course of watching it. it you're, yeah. you're, you're, it's, you're privy to its brilliance from the first frame, you know? Yeah. And, and again, very- like summer of soul, there's just pictures of faces that are just like just portraits yeah. for portrait's sake. So you can see these people. I mean, Barry Jenkins is definitely my favorite filmmaker working today. So like anything. That yeah. Without a doubt. He's mine too. Yeah. I'm, I'm, in love with it and ready for it and like you said i would i would be totally down if he was just like yeah i'm gonna make a slapstick road comedy next but please like, please do <laughs> you know whatever he's got going on like is definitely much must see and if you haven't watched this yet like all on amazon now you know get get yeah. get somebody to send you a link if you don't have an amazon account and and watch it just for this it was completely know? shafted at the emmys but i know for like mayor of East Town of all things too, like which was fine, but yeah, was, like you know, come on, not this, not was, this, yeah, it was not even close to this. The work, yeah, done is like substantial. <laughs> and last, I'm gonna shout out real quick is a show that hasn't even really premiered yet. It's only aired one episode, but it is so good and so funny. And I hope it's like the next Office because it's so simple and um hilarious at the same I time i know what it is is it abbott elementary yep mm-hmm. wow <laughs> yeah what a pilot first of all like what a simple and like yeah. good and hilarious pilot shout out to your girl quinta brunson from buzzfeed <laughs> and I mean, from I... and from um you got money <laughs> yeah yeah i mean we're gonna see if we can get her on the show we're gonna we're gonna yeah see what we can do to work that out but um because this is it's so funny and it's so american honestly mm-hmm. because it's just like it's a bunch of it's a show about several teachers working at an inner city school in philadelphia uh an inner city elementary school and you got quinta brunson you got what uh your boy from everybody hates chris back again which yeah. hilarious you got Shirley ralph <laughs> Who hasn't mm-hmm. been on a sitcom in a long time, and she is, she didn't get a chance to be hilarious on Moesha, but she is <laughs> hilarious on this show. The look she gives her when she's like, "You're my idol," and she just looks at her like, "Yeah, I gotta go back to class." <laughs> is <laughs> I was cracking up. This show is so funny. I'm glad it's on ABC where everybody can watch it in the yeah. prime time slot. It yep. deserves it. It deserves your eyeballs. I hope it becomes like the next Brooklyn Nine-Nine or The Office where it just runs yeah. for like 10 seasons and it's yeah. just funnier every year. Well, before we transition out of this, just a few yeah. a few general cultural things that I will tell people to check out if they haven't gotten a chance. Sure. White uh, people are white people are involved here, too. You, you, white, oh, no, this isn't, included here, the, uh, this isn't white people. This is still. Oh, us, OK. But, uh, good, good, good. Just not not film or television. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, lit, lit, lit. yeah, a book that everybody should own and read. And I don't know if you've read this yet, Cameron, um, but A Little a little Devil in America by Hanifa Durakib. Durakib, yeah. It's on the, again, on the level of 
Summer of Soul and High on the yeah. Hog in terms of. Life. I haven't read it. I've read both his uh, previous books. Well, I read the last two of his previous books. Yeah. Uh, they Can't Kill Us Until They Kill Us, which is a series of essays about black culture, yeah. uh, pop culture. And then uh, his book of essays about A Child Called Quest, which is a phenomenal book about a phenomenal group. <laughs> yeah. This is his best one yet. I mean, this one is. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Um, you yeah you got to check it out i would i would definitely say if you like those other two this is like those two on on another level uh because it is like talking about it's it's probably his most personal book yet because it's you know dealing with a lot of different things and this um, is a very personal writer he writes for sure yeah just personal anecdotes but you know it's the it's it's going along a lot of the same things that he's talked about before but like mm -hmm very much so centered on black people and like mm -hmm. black performance and celebrating black performance throughout generations and like there's a lot of different because you know his whole deal is he's keen in on not necessarily the minutiae right but like he had like the fallout boy essay in the last one and like you know some other things where it's <laughs> which like, is like wildly the best <laughs> essay in that book yeah like he'll take you on a ride from stuff where yeah. you're just like i don't see what this has to do with anything but then like really key in on specific things and you'll be really emotional by the time you're you're finished mm -hmm. with it and so this one is like you you got to read it and then i would shout out a few albums i just wanted to shout out yeah let's go into the albums real quick because yeah, i yeah, i yeah. like that stuff too if you haven't listened to the latest vince staples album which is called vince staples similarly best. i would say this is his best album as well it's his best yeah. And it's real short. I think it's maybe like 30 something minutes. It's like, 31 minutes, I think, something like that. Yeah. Each song is just on point. Everything kind of like cycles into the next in just such a such a natural way. And like, again, Vince's demeanor and everything, like we all know Vince yeah. is a uh, perennial jokester, <laughs> trickster, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's, <laughs> And he may be one of our best like cultural pundits, <laughs> you yeah. know, just like with eff an effortless at it. Yeah. Too. Um, but this one is just like, it's not sad Vince, but it really is like, again, his most personal album to date yeah. in terms of just like the way that he moves about the world and like all his friends, you know, still back in, in Long Beach, you know, who are living that life that he used to live and like him kind of. It's almost like his to pimp a butterfly, right? Where it's just like, sure. I'm, I'm not sure what I should do or where I should be because all the people I know and love are still kind of trapped are in this, still there. this cycle. And I've not moved on, but like, I'm definitely in another place. But like, if they need me to ride, I'm, I'm around, you know, I'll come through, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. and like, you know, cause it's also like, and I've lost so much, you know, already. And he's not that old you know like he's uh he's incredibly like uh potent when it comes to like themes about loss yeah, yeah. and i think more so than like any other rapper and i think rappers <sighs> kind of get stuck remembering the dead i feel sometimes yeah. mm -hmm. and while vince lives in that as well when vince does it i feel like i know those people yeah it's yeah it's it's very real also, shout out JPEG Mafia LP. I like that you, one a lot. You like that record. Yeah. Do you, do, were you not into it? It's not my favorite from him. I, I think 
I think I'm still I'm still on the last one a little bit, but yeah, cornball. I yeah. do like parts of this record a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, it's 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 the offline version. The offline version. Is I know. I that. everybody's talking about those two songs that everybody else yeah. didn't get. <laughs> Come on, hazard duty pay, man. That's the one. Hazard that's duty like, pay. That's, right. that's 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 just watch the video over and over again. But like the. Uh, that need song, a Baker sample, y'all. That yeah, she was not gonna come up off that sample, but that's fine because <laughs> I think Anita Baker's going through a thing right now. Maybe yeah. <laughs> we will we'll get the offline online eventually. Yeah, yeah. Because Anita Baker is going through a uh she's trying to get her masters back, which she yeah. did. Yeah. So she's trying to bring her music back to streaming and like so, yeah. And fair. we'll we'll probably see an Anita Baker revival in 2022. Uh, yeah. And then last one I want to shout out, uh Makami. Uh, pray for pray Haiti, for Haiti. Woo! which you know what I mean I, I became a huge Makami fan this year because uh, I you know I kind of knew the name but I wasn't necessarily paying attention but this project was incredible <sighs> yeah man um, yeah and he's the close you know obviously after losing MF Doom which was he's my MF Doom is my favorite all-time rapper so like I, I think I think I have to say mine too honestly yeah Mock is definitely yeah. carrying on record that. Yeah, he's carrying that torch, you know, in the way of just like not only just the style of it all, but like the imagery, you know, because he's always got the yeah. flag, and and like, the his album cover with yeah. the you know the voodoo mm-hmm. kind of like painting going on there. Well, and even just like the interstitial like skits that he put in. Of just oh yeah, like those those documents of like, you know, it's it's fascinating to listen to because it is a real high low situation right where like you know he's on here got the braggadocia going heavy you know he's talking about all these different things but then like there's little jewels in there of just like what it is reality to be, yeah what it is to be haitian and like life on the island and like and an immigrant yeah um yeah. so shout out shout out all those things real quick um also uh, shout out uh, oh ahead, yeah yeah oh i was just gonna say we'd be remiss talking about this to not shout out two shows two cultural institutions that came to an end in 2021 and that would be pose and insecure both had yes. their last seasons um so you know they... i haven't seen poses last season i will get to it because it is necessary stuff yeah 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 but insecure is on a roll with their final yeah, season yeah yeah so after I'm she dunked the baby she dunked the baby <laughs> y'all I... <laughs> that might be my the thing i laughed at the most this year is her yeah. Hitting the three with the baby. <laughs> well, and, and drop kicking Condola, which is what we all wanted. I feel like every black person in America wanted her to drop kick Condola into in that and shout sorry if I spoiled that episode, but get, the, <laughs> get uh, if you're black, you're probably watching this show, honestly. Walter. Right. Well, and that's like, you know, both of those shows, obviously, like it's it's sad to see things end, but it's also like glad they got to end on their own terms and go out the way that they wanted to because not a lot of shows get to do that in general but like black shows specifically you know having having the ability to kind of like say yeah we did it this is it yeah we're gonna we're gonna put it put it to bed and not to say you know look insecure could be black sex in the city where 10 years from now we got a movie you know or whatever like you know i could only hope yeah it's not like it's it doesn't necessarily have to be gone forever, but like, I am super glad that yeah, both both shows got to go out the way they wanted to go out. Good, um, good call on calling those out. Yeah, did you have? Uh, you seem like you had one more thing you wanted to shout out. I have some, I have some albums I want to throw in. I, all yeah, those go. albums that you listed are on my list. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me give uh, 
a couple records. I got four records I want to talk about. Maybe okay. five. I want to talk about Tyler. Shout out Tyler. He did it again. He did it again. Yeah. Call Me If You Get Lost is like yeah. maybe album of the year, <laughs> in my opinion. He, yeah. He, he just, he's getting better and I'm loving seeing him in real time become mm-hmm. more mature. Yeah. Become just so much better with the beats. Like, yeah. The beats that he's making for himself, but also the beats he's making for other people are mm-hmm. fucking like fire. Like, Incredible. he's he's top of his game right now and yeah it's like literally tyler's games to lose right now yeah and i need people to pay attention like <laughs> because we're getting lost in the drake and kanye of it all but like tyler's yeah, out here like yeah. literally doing the best work of the year yeah let me see okay so also some another rap album uh sometimes i might be introvert yeah by little sims Woo. just fire. like it's it's a little overlong but it is fire yeah very personal record. Some of the best beats of the year are on this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. album. Uh, Lil Sims is not a joke, everybody. Nope. <laughs> Lil Sims is not a joke. She is coming for your next, and she yeah. is coming for it with the wisdom of Tony Morrison and Bell Hooks. RIP. <laughs> RIP Bell Hooks. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, shout out somebody I never really fucked with before. He had a single a couple years ago that I was like, okay. Even though he was <laughs> mid-career by that point, I'm talking about J. Cole. Okay. But the okay. offseason this year was yeah. pretty good. It was. I, he, it was pretty good. Like, I don't love J. Cole. And I think he's human in the sense that he's always, for every track that's like, damn, that's a banger. And you talking that shit. He's also got a record that's like the no-name disc that's like what are you talking about and what are you doing stop talking yeah. and shut up go away yeah <laughs> yeah go and go away <laughs> yeah you know yeah. but for the off season it's a smart record it's an adult rap record uh and yeah he did his thing on it and it's actually like the first time i'm like it i feel like i should pay attention to j cole off that <laughs> um as far as r&b goes i want to talk about two records that are these also these people were like out here not necessarily on my radar but like these two records are essential for this year and like they really put their foot in these i'm talking about snow allegra's record this year Mm -hmm. temporary highs in the violet skies two tyler records on this one and a pharrell track like it's a good r&b record uh her one from last year was really good too but this one's like whoa yeah, you can like you can drop like little fake bars on it also, but like also like you're like low key new Sade, and I I say that with an asterisk, but <laughs> I still say that. Yeah, and also Jasmine Sullivan's Hotels. Mm-hmm. Whoa, <laughs> what a record! She was here. like, she was here. <laughs> she really like <laughs> she said everything. <laughs> She was like, I'm a hoe, but also I'm not a hoe, but also like you go be a hoe and like do you and like do you fully. Yeah. You know, I love it. I love it. And like, I'm glad she gave voices to other women. Mm -hmm. You know, she really did her thing. Like it's a it's a short record, too. And all the features are like really good features. There's Anderson Pack. Her is on here. And um, your girl Ari Lennox. Yep. Who's trying to come back real hard. It's on here. <laughs> you don't sleep on Ari Lennox. I'm not going. I'm not on, sleeping I'm not going, on her. Don't sleep on Ari Lennox. Just she, the way that she, you 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 preface that though. Was, yeah, yeah. Give me a chuckle. 
<laughs> and the last record I'll put out is a, is a jazz record that I thought was really transformative in the way or transcendent in the way that like Alice Coltrane was mm-hmm. transcendent. I'm talking about Pharaoh Sanders and Floating Points. Okay. And uh, the London Symphony Orchestra on their record Promises, which is not necessarily a record of songs, but more a series of movements in this. It's like um, one motif that is stretched out over like the course of 40 minutes. And it's literally transcendent. It's meditation music, but it's, I mean, Pharrell Sanders is a legend, a jazz legend. And to put out something this potent in this stage in his career is like, it's incredible. It's going on my list. Yeah. Oh, and uh, shout out Baby Keem. Didn't hate it. Didn't love it either. (laughs) But like, shout out Baby Keem for like being weird when people need weird in their rap. Because like rap is so samey these days. And we need a Baby Keem these days. Yeah. Let's get this shit. Let's get this shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and Freddie Gibbs. Freddie Gibbs put out three singles that were like each one of them was fire. He didn't put out an album, but they I know. Fire. Like. Freddie Gibbs is rapping like his actual life depends on it. Like he might die tomorrow if he yeah. doesn't rap this way. Look, I mean, he's he's continuing to put his name in that contention of when you're talking about who's the best, you know, who's you top better, five right now. You, you know, better talk about Freddie Gibbs. It's like yeah. it's like you ain't talking about rap unless you talk about Freddie Gibbs for sure. And they're talking. Yeah. I mean, word is that Montana is coming. You know, that that need collaboration it. is is in the wind. So that I need it. Yeah, I need it too. We'll see. We'll shout see. Shout out, shout out, Big Boss Rabbit. <laughs> um, well, as we close things out, let's look at what could be in 2022 as we're going into this new year. Yeah, you know, we're we're chugging along. Uh, you know, if you've if you've made it this far with us, we we greatly appreciate you <laughs> and thank you. Uh, in this episode alone, but yeah. also, <laughs> but also, episodes deep. Yeah, for sure. You know, like this thank has you been very much. Yeah, it's been so much fun to to do the show. And again, this has you. been like the joy of my year for real, yeah. honestly. <laughs> like sometimes I might not necessarily be like up for it. You know, I yeah. got to like fit it in. Right. I got we both got schedules where, yep. you know, but this is like really awesome to just sit yeah. here and chat with you about shit that, you know, otherwise we wouldn't talk about another rise. I feel like nobody would talk about yeah, for sure. And, you know, for for us doing the show, you know, is like, it's a labor of love, right? But it's also something that I feel like has resonated with people, you know, like, it wasn't like we didn't expect people to listen to this, but also the feedback that we've gotten from people has not just been positive, but been like, yeah, like, we, like, need this, like, we're really, you know, glad that you guys are doing something like this, because, yeah, as we saw, you know, it's it's continuing to improve and i hope it continues to to keep chugging along but like in this podcast space not a lot of black people in general but also not a lot of black people in this film space and even less of us kind of like doing these interrogations of you know these films that are allegedly speaking to us and about us so man um, it's it's wild i've worked at two prestige movie theaters in new york city Mm-hmm. I'm talking about film form and metric. I'm calling you out. <laughs> uh, 
and people will talk to me about these movies, the movies that we've talked about on this show. Mm -hmm. And as if they are the work, <laughs> as yeah. if they're like, hey, I have you seen black or white? <laughs> have, 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 have you seen Dances with Wolves? I mean, these are yeah. important works. And I'm like, never wanted to slap the shit out of a person <laughs> in my vicinity so hard. You know, it, it's yeah. a joke. It's a joke to think that these movies are actually doing the work for other people. Yeah. Because the other people definitely don't get to speak in these movies or get mm -hmm. to speak for themselves in these movies. Yeah. And I feel like what we're doing here is speaking for what they actually want to say. We're speaking yeah. for the Andre Hollands in black and white <laughs> or all these people. Like, yeah, I, I mean, these characters would go unfulfilled mm -hmm. unless there was like a podcast or like a forum to talk about their characters. Because otherwise, white people are going to walk around yeah. thinking that like it's OK <laughs> to talk like this. It's OK to be Jupiter Sharts, you know. Uh, <laughs> rude. rude well i mean even <laughs> even next week's episode we're going to talk about the help and which is like, like swept the oscars that year swept the oscars but also i mean we'll you'll you'll hear it you know in the episode but like mm -hmm. there's a very interesting trajectory where the movie comes out the book comes out and the movie comes out and people are praising it and they're loving in a very it. short period of time too and they're three they're, years yeah they're really like wow like the help like what an important book what an important film like yada 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 and then come last year everybody's like man the help what a terrible movie like the help is like you know this reductionist look at black history and like the same people who were like praising it and loving it you know turned it around and within saying, five years we're like <laughs> oops so sorry not even sorry, but acting like they didn't say what they said when the movie came out. You know what I mean? And I think that's why it's important to kind of keep a running tally of this kind of stuff because people will switch up real quick like they've always been on the team. When we can see your words and hear you say certain <laughs> things. And it's and it's not even like you don't have space or room to grow, but we also can't act like this wasn't a big deal like we can't look at crash now all these years later and be like man fuck crash crash because you gave it awards you hear me? like you loved crash you when it you came out crash so, in the moment don't lie to me you know so like th there's nothing wrong in that obviously in recognizing your faults but like to act as if these movies are like it's cool to like make fun of them now when they when they came out and got awarded things and made so much money because in that the moment yeah in the moment that, you thought this was a work of art yeah and that money's not going nowhere right like the millions of dollars that these movies have made went directly into those people's pockets like you're not taking that back so even if you want to talk about it later as if like yeah that movie terrible what a terrible thing but it's like yeah but avatar is the highest grossing movie of all time so no matter <laughs> how you feel about it, you know, we've already given into so many of these things in ways that we've done what we meant to do with it. Yeah. yeah you know, so uh, I'm glad that we have a space to to talk about it. So looking forward to, to 2022, Cameron, a few questions mm -hmm. for you. Sure. Um, well, and even, you know, kind of looking back and looking forward to the same time. Did you have a favorite drop from this year? 
<laughs> Damn, favorite drop. Well, I there think I talked to you about it earlier that I was like surprised that you were on that Isaiah Rashad record. That yeah, I was because honestly, it it fit the mood completely, mm-hmm. which is what the fuck. <laughs> Shout out to Deuce Duke. Shout out um, to Duke Deuce and yep. his wild footwork. <laughs> um, uh, it might be that. Okay. Oh, and oh, it's de- oh no, it's definitely. Uh, and you don't even go here. Uh, all right. Because yeah, can we get some of that? And you don't even go here. Because mm, isn't that <laughs> what it's truly about? Yep. Like these white people are wild and just being like. I'm going to enter your space. I'm going to call your street nigga to your face. <laughs> I'm going to get multiple children murdered at this school. Like, Hell yeah. And I'm doing the work. And I'm just like. It's all me, baby. You don't even go here. How do you think that you think you helping somebody? What? Mm-hmm. What? So I, I think that might honestly be like. Because it's like the thesis statement. It's like. It is. You don't, you're, work, you're not here. You're not. You don't know these problems just entered this space and thought you ran shit yep for me i would say there's i'll play them now there's a few uh that i always enjoy when we when they come up organically obviously this is going to come back uh we got to play it a few times but you know it, it's going to be evergreen gang banging, gang banging. <laughs> 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 you, you gotta play the video you gotta see the video these you gotta see google the video. google smoking robinson gang banging gang banging you will have a just have a glass of wine with it it's brilliant <laughs> brilliant um we played it I earlier are. but you know can we talk is always a fun one um yeah we love that one i love it love it obviously this Kevin. this one and a lot of white folk have demonstrated eloquently that they don't have no sense mm. king you was know. right speaking speaking the truth talking that talk king was talking the truth and then a new a newer one that i i feel like you know i'm still sad that we didn't get it in earlier episodes but we have it now so why the fuck you lying oh. why you always lying yeah. oh my god oh my god stop fucking lying <laughs> for those who a like classic yeah I mean, this is this is part of our little pre-talk where we're we're talking to people who are getting ready to come on the show. I can't hear these as <laughs> I play them, so you know the way that it's set up on my computer is like it's going through a bunch of different filters and whatnot, so everybody can hear it, and obviously it comes up on the episode. But like in the moment, I'm just reading people's reactions to see did that play and maybe listening going? to me singing along. Yeah, so <laughs> I can't uh, help it. This- it's, it's, it's beautiful what you brought to the table, man. Yeah, no, that, that one is always fun to see people react to it. Um, I've got two new ones that I want to debut here now uh, to get your reaction to. If you've, if you've made it this far, you will you are rewarded. Consider here's yourself a treat. rewarded here. Uh, so here's the first one, which I also kind of feel like is similar to, you know, why you always lying. Because it's like, I kind of I probably should have had this earlier because it is it's in the Duke Deuce realm. And I think we'll get a lot of mileage out of it, but she, 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 she. <laughs> we are both from Baltimore. There's no reason why that shit. I know. There from day one, but I apologize. So, 
so very true it's yeah Jeez. we're we're, we're going to work that in uh, maybe even to the very next episode. We'll see. Yeah. We'll, we'll try oh, to get that in. I, I think we got a reason to throw it in. The <laughs> <laughs> and then this one, which I think is going to come in in our research uh, portion of the show. Um, Man, shut your bitch ass up. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what is that from, though? Just some random just video. Just random dude saying, man. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Shut your Cause... bitch ass. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody needs to tell these wallet-ass movie makers. <laughs> hey, yeah. If I had that for Mike Binder, I would have been playing that after every quote I read. Okay. But all right. Those I'm going to get on ones. my shit. I'm going to find a couple for you. Cause, yeah, if you uh, got you, any. You, you surprise me every week, so I got I to gotta do my work. In 2022... I resolved to bring you some some wild ass cl- some, some uh, fire drops, some wild yeah. ass drops, some fire drops. But if you at home have any drops that you're just like you want to suggest to us or even send to yeah. us, again, white people won't save you pod at gmail.com. You can mm-hmm. always send us stuff like that. We're always looking for that. Um, Love it. Another question for you is: We've had a lot of great guests on throughout. You know this. this oh my first god! Couple I- of episodes. I am floored by <laughs> the level of the guests that come yeah. in here. It's not like we didn't think people would want to talk to us, but like the enthusiasm where people like, not only do I have, you know, do I want to come to the show, but I want to talk about this movie because like I got this shit. thoughts. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh boy, like people have been sitting on stuff for a while and uh, again, glad to provide an outlet, but it is just like, damn, some of y'all. I mean, your sister brought us black or white like hey, so, mm, couldn't mm. believe it couldn't yeah. believe so it. here's some breaking news that we'll put into this as well that when you listen to the episode she tells us that she thought we were gonna watch a different movie um and oh, oh. we we talked about it recently because she was in town and she found the movie that she meant for us to watch and so I don't know if it's a white savory movie. It's a wild sounding movie. It's called A Family Thing. Have you heard of this movie? A Family Thing? A Family Thing. Mm-mm. So it's got two of your boys. It's got Robert Duvall and James Earl Jones. And I'll read the description. Oh, I have seen this. You have? I've seen it. I saw it like 15 years ago. I saw it when I was a kid. When an old woman They're dies, brothers. she, leaves, yes. she yeah, leaves go ahead, a note go ahead. for her apparent son, Robert Duvall, which tells him that his wow. biological mother died giving birth to him. She begs him to make peace with his half-brother, James Earl Jones, living in Chicago. And the movie is basically like grumpy old men, but like with a racial part to it. Is it a white savior movie? Would this fall into our... I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. But maybe worth watching still yeah it sounds wild. i don't know i don't know because like well robert Duvall, is robert duvall black in this movie is that what i'm well getting mm, at the idea <laughs> mm. Mm. oh boy mm. <laughs> exactly uh well this is the movie she thought we were gonna watch but it turned it's out a... to be something completely different <laughs> i don't know if it's a good movie i don't know if it's a good movie i saw yeah. it when i was like 14 or 15. I can't imagine it is. It's got a seven on IMDb, but I don't know. Oh, that might be inflated. We know that means absolutely nothing. Uh- <laughs> right. Amazon is like wild with the ratings. Yeah. Um, but 
yeah all in all is there any are there any guests that you would like to see on the show like you could shoot shoot a big shot shoot a all right regular uh, shot quinta quinta brunson sure we talked about her would love that yeah um i've talked to some people mm-hmm. you know in my dms and i hope that maybe their dms are a little bit more open <laughs> in the coming year yeah i think what we're both i think we both are searching for our white whale mm. our, our black whale mm-hmm. here so I don't know if you guys know if you're from if you're familiar with our podcast then you're definitely familiar with our title white people won't save you uh where this title comes from maybe you're not so familiar but it's also this this is a show aforementioned show from earlier uh random random acts of flyness on hbo which was created by uh filmmaker terrence nance yep who is a i guess you could say multi-platform filmmaker yep Interested in deep notions of the heart, whether it be life, love, just living your life. Yeah. But through that very, very, very black lens. Yep. Uh, and I want to get, I want to get his, I want to pick his brain. I want to pick his love, brain. I want to yeah. see what he's thinking. He was in New York. Now okay. he's in Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, working on some films. Yeah. So, yeah, we got to shout out. Actual shout out to Terrence Nance, our namesake, and hopefully, you know, maybe you make it onto the show, man. Like, hey, this is me shooting my shot. Come out here and let's talk about some wild ass movies because I know you got opinions. Yeah, let's get. You ain't afraid to make these white people mad. So, (laughs) get that dummy on the show. You know, Baltimore. What up, dummy? I love you, yo. (laughs) I love you, dummy. (laughs) Come out to the show, man. (laughs) Um. Yeah, I w- I agree with those. I've got a few that I've been thinking about that I think sure, would sure. be be great to have on at some point. We'd love to have W. Kamal Bell on. I think oh, that would yeah, be yeah. great. I think he's he's like another uh, film podcast, another like list of film yeah. podcasts. So if you're familiar out here in the podcast community, black co- podcast community, he yeah. hosted a show with uh, Kevin Avery called. Uh, Denzel Washington is the greatest actor of all time, period. Yeah. Which was, I could say, I feel like I could say is the uh, ancestral father of this podcast in a way. Oh, yeah, for sure. A little bit. Yeah. And I think he's, I mean, he's got all the things that we're looking for in terms of a guest. Like, I feel like he's for sure seen some of these movies, (laughs) but also (laughs) like as, as somebody who can come at it from a lot of different perspectives, whether it's from, you know, just being somebody who's worked in film to somebody mm-hmm. who, you know, has an understanding of the history of this country and the history of, you know, uh, representation in media. Like, I'm sure he's mm-hmm. got a lot of, you know, interesting, not just takes, but like perspective on where he a lot of this stuff is about his bullshit. From. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Would love to have Amber Ruffin on. You know, oh, she's, yeah. One of the funniest people on television today, <laughs> easily, hands down. I would have to agree. I would have to agree with that. And one of the smartest yes. people on TV, honestly. If you've seen the video that she did uh, as a writer for Seth Meyers, that was the White Savior um, Oscar bait video, where they kind of just ran down a bunch of different White Savior movies. Like, she's got opinion. I know she's got opinions about movies. Like I know she's definitely one of those people who's probably got a long 
held grudge against something. And I think it would be great to have her on to hear yeah. her opinions about that. I would say any black person, past or present from The Daily Show, whether that's, you know, your boy Jibuki, whether that's Roy Wood, whether that's... Um, uh, shout out shout out my uh, new, a new friend of mine recently, uh, Josh Johnson. Would love to have Josh on. Funny, funny guy. Yeah. So I, I know he's probably not listening to this right now, but... Uh, <laughs> Hope to have him on the podcast because I, you know, I've worked with the guy recently and uh, he's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure wouldn't be afraid to pull some punches on this show. Yeah. Uh, Wyatt Sinek would be great. Yeah, Wyatt Sinek. Yeah, he's Jessica, a hilarious guy. Jessica Williams. Je Jessica uh, Williams. Hilarious. You know, so there's, there's a bunch of them, you know, again, past and present that I think would be great to get on sure. and talk to. A few more just to list off quickly, like I yeah. think would love to have if you're listening to this show, you may also be a fan of a podcast called My Mama Told Me, which is hosted by Langston Carmen, which is oh. a, a show about black conspiracy theories. <laughs> and <laughs> it is uh, an amazing podcast. But Langston is also somebody who I feel Langston like is a hilarious guy, hilarious dude, but also like smart, right? And not even like yeah. low key smart, but like, like you know, he high key smart <laughs> yeah like he he'll play up just the silliness and the goofiness but then every once in a while he'll drop in something where like you know what you're talking about you know what I mean? like <laughs> you can uh you can see langston on uh south side right you can now. see him on south side you might also know him from the boys he was in the first season yeah. he was uh i forget the archer character's name but he was yeah. with the deep he was here for that, like five yeah. seconds yeah and he was on Insecure briefly too. And he was uh, another another uh, guy on Insecure. Yeah, in the in same vein, days I think I'd love to have Zach Fox on because I think he's also. Just... I would. I'd love to talk to that nigga for at least two hours minimum. <laughs> I just wanna. I just wanna know what's going on in that brain. A lot. <laughs> shout, shout out! Shout out Zach Fox and shout out his album this year it was pretty good. It was fun, yeah. <laughs> I was not expecting to have so much fun. Yeah. Uh, again, similar to Langston, I think it's just, you know, if we're going for the spicy takes, the hot takes. Yeah, fuck around uh, and find out, y'all. You know, just... <laughs> um, <laughs> we mentioned Hadith, Hanif Adiraki. I think he'd be great to have on. Oh, my you know God. What I mean, like, he might be too smart for us, but... <laughs> I don't know. I've actually... So, I, I met Hanif uh, at the Brooklyn Book Festival one of the years that I worked it. Mm -hmm. And he is, like two brains you know like yeah, of yeah. two minds a little bit you know he's got this in-depth like knowledge of the nba and like mm -hmm. the goings on inside of it and also like pop culture and also like blackness yeah. in america but he's also like incredibly tender and hilarious yeah at the same time and to be a dude that knows like kate bush's discography but got also like school you <laughs> and like NBA stats is like yeah. where where can you where can you put those two yeah. pieces of knowledge? He could come and help us do the uh the Ben Affleck basketball movie, you know. Oh shit, that would be perfect for him <laughs> way, way back. So um, yeah, shout out to shout out to Hanif Abdul Rakib. Like yeah. salute that dude because like he might be one of our greatest writers he living. Certainly and is, yeah. I feel like he's still like on the undercut, you know, he's still yeah. coming up. A few more to rattle off. I'd love to have both from The Root and Very Smart Brothers. I'd love to have Michael Harriet uh, yeah. or uh, Damon Young on. Yes. I think they're both, you know, the kind of people who 
could really get into these movies would love to have from she's she's done a lot of different things she used to work with college humor now she's doing some stuff with the animaniac show and uh, a few other things but uh rika shankar um okay it would be it would be fun to have her on we'll we'd love to have Jean Grey and, and Quelle Chris on as just like a, <laughs> a a duo of just two people who are again like very very smart people but also very like, high minded but also like some dumb shit foolishly yeah. black. <laughs> <laughs> Quelle Chris we... put out uh, a couple of my recent favorite albums, so like, yeah. And, and Jean Grey has been on her rap shit for a long time. Yeah, for and sure, like, I've been a fan for a long. I mean, if you want the Black Star album. Yep. You are rap royalty as far as I'm concerned. Yep. And in the same vein, open open Mike Eagle would be great to have. Open Mike on. Eagle for sure. Also uh, hilarious, but yeah, intensely smart black yeah. person. And um and JPEG Mafia, I think would be fun. Yo, Peggy. Peggy, <laughs> come on the show, talk that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, we don't even gotta talk about a movie. No. You yeah. could just come here and talk that shit. Just I know you with it. Yeah. <laughs> air it out. Yeah. Well, and lastly, I think we, we definitely have to get on, you know, a lot of uh, Latino artists, writers. Uh, For sure. Because um, we haven't had any on yet. And I feel like there's so many movies to talk about with them, you know, whether it's another Kevin Costner, <laughs> you know, film, uh, McFarland USA, where he Oof. leads a group of Latino cross country kids. <laughs> or we could talk about these wild ass Clint Eastwood movies that he's yeah, making in his late gotta, career, trying to apologize for being a cowboy and killing him in the early a, movies. Yeah, we got a couple of those. We still have. Now he's trying to apologize it for it in Cry Macho or yeah, Gran Torino. So yeah. I want to know what the Latino community feels about that. About that wild shit. Yeah. So those are just a few people that we'd love to see, you know, on the show yeah. manifesting, um, you know, into the yes. future. But speaking of being on the show, like maybe you all could be on the show in the sense of we're thinking of doing some live shows coming yeah, up next year. We want to do some live shows in Baltimore or New York. Mm -hmm. We're looking at some spaces, trying to uh, do a little bit of a, we were talking about like, we're not necessarily trying to do like a mystery science theater 3000 thing because yeah. we don't want to watch a movie and talk over it even though that's like yeah. a black person's favorite pastime yeah yeah we want to do some kind of like you know interactive hybrid situation maybe some powerpoint presentations show y'all some of these scenes because we don't want y'all to watch white man's burden but y'all no. gotta see this you shit. gotta like, hear hey, it yeah you gotta see y'all yeah. gotta hear this accent this black scent yeah. in person like this shit is crazy they it's a spent mess. millions of dollars <laughs> And he just showed up talking like that. It's just a <laughs> just rude, just rude. Um. So yeah, you know, like mostly on the East Coast is probably where we're going to start out. But you know, yep. if you're in New York, if you're in you know the DMV area, if you're in the yeah. Philadelphia area, we uh, would love to come and talk you know. and just like do the show for y'all. So yeah, that's something to look forward to. That we're we're kind of working out the we're logistics cooking, we're of it. In now. Um, but yeah, if you're somebody who has a venue or, you know, somebody with a venue and you think it would be a good fit, like again, hit us up, let us know. We're also looking into getting some, some merch going on. So that's another thing we're going to be polling you guys about <laughs> is if we we're, we're thinking about, uh, maybe a t-shirt with your, uh, with your boys, George and Steve, we got a, it's your boy, George and Steve shirt. Um, yeah. we've got a run us us free. 
run us a free <laughs> shirt. Um, and I'm sure we could do some kind of white man's burden shirt. So we'll we'll think about those. But if that's something that y'all want, we can definitely make it happen. We definitely want to do it. So um, you know, so we'll be yeah, we'll be throwing that out you know to you guys in the coming year to kind of see where y'all are at and if y'all would want to do that because it's not like we don't want to do it but it's also like you know it's we we the, the demand needs to be right meet it. so yeah. like you know if we're gonna print we don't want to we don't want uh we, yeah we don't want these boxes of shirts just laying around <laughs> we, <laughs> we want to make it for the people we want to make it for us yeah we, we want to make it fly so like yeah hit us up let us know what you think if you got any cool ideas, maybe, yeah, you know, hit us up at that email address. Yep, yep. That's white people won't save you pod. Yep. At gmail.com. Yep. And hit us with your ideas, you know, like, yeah. Talk, talk to us. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, well, we've, we've talked a lot. <laughs> yeah but uh, i hope i hope you enjoyed yourself and i yeah. we definitely have um and yeah happy happy new year everybody hope you guys happy have new had year a, a, a good holiday season uh going get into vaccinated get boosted y'all yeah be safe out here uh be safe it's still it's still popping out in these streets so you know Ma you mask up y'all yeah um, it's not a political act it is a healthy <laughs> act yeah for sure um and specifically, you know, for us, people of color, like it's impacted us the most. So you know, mm -hmm. whatever we can do to protect ourselves, but also, you know, our communities at large like that's That's right. That's what's important. So, um, yeah, we'll be at y'all next week with the help. That's how we're going to start things <laughs> off. And I hope you guys enjoy that episode. But we'll we'll have plenty of stuff coming for you in this new year in 2022. So we're, this Caucasity is not not off the hook yet. You know they so. have they haven't let up, so we ain't letting up. The foot is on their neck. <laughs> but yeah, love to everybody listening. Hope you guys have a good end of 2021 going into 2022, and we'll see y'all on the other side. Peace. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved.